What's going on, guys? In today's podcast, I want to talk about some things currently going on in a pretty heavy news week in the NFL. So just some around the NFL talk, if you will. Let's get into it with the first thing I want to talk about is Steven Nelson signs with the Philadelphia Eagles. Steven Nelson, at just 28 years old, when in coverage over the last three seasons, has been really good. Like he's probably one of the higher end CB2s you could have on a roster. And in roster with Darius Slay, that's what you're going to ask from Steven Nelson is to be your cornerback too. In coverage over the last three years, he's allowed a 53.3% completion percentage, just 6.9 yards per target, which is a solid number. 12 touchdowns, so that's four a year, four per season, which is not bad at all. And seven interceptions. He's also made 32 plays on the football in terms of passes defense. So that's 39 plays in the ball over three years. And, um, oh, by the way, he's really good from a missed tackle standpoint against the run. 8.4 missed tackle rate, 8.4% missed tackle rate over the last two seasons. So he's like a well-rounded player. He's a boundary corner, not one of these guys that's only going to play the slot. He's a guy that can play outside. I think he's a perfect fit in this system with the Indianapolis, I'm sorry, with the Indianapolis kind of defensive scheme there that I believe they'll be running. And um, to me, it's one of those moves that I love in terms of like a low risk, moderate to high upside signing. Like it wouldn't shock me one bit if Steven Nelson has the best season of his career in this system, if the guys up front stay healthy in terms of the pass rush. So if you pair him now with Darius Slay, so you've got, that's your outside corner combination, Darius Slay and Steven Nelson, and then you kick Avante Maddox inside to play the slot. To me, that's a pretty formidable trio of corners. And then again, if the guys up front stay healthy, if my guy Derek Barnett could finally have the breakout season I've been waiting for him to have, because I was very high on him in that draft class, um, then you're looking at a pretty damn good defense in Philly and an opportunity for them to be pretty competitive, at least on the defensive side of the ball. Well, remains to be seen what they'll be able to do on offense. I think they'll be pretty good, but we'll see about that. And then from the and then when you look at the um, what they've been able to do as an organization, Howie Roseman, tons of credit to you because what they've been able to do with basically the worst cap situation in the NFL or up there, maybe top three of the worst cap situations. And they've been able to add the safety from Minnesota, Harris. They've been able to add the linebacker from Minnesota. They've been able to add now Steven Nelson. They've really done a fantastic job of improving their defense from what it was last year. While obviously they had to get rid of some guys to create some cap space, they've done an amazing job, especially in the latter parts of free agency where most teams were done in free agency. This team basically had to get started much later and they've been able to really move some money around like only Howie Roseman can do or like especially Howie Roseman can do in terms of maneuvering the cap space. They've been able to get some good players in there, some upgrades in my opinion at many positions. So I, uh, I have a ton of respect for what they've done this offseason and uh, again with limited resources and Steven Nelson going to Philly to me is a, a really good fit and I think he'll have a nice season there. It wouldn't shock me like I was saying if he has his best season ever, you know, I mean really. Um, number two thing I want to talk about is the Bengals. They've extended Sam Hubbard to a four-year, $40 million extension. Um, just without looking at the – I don't have any of the guaranteed money details, but my suspicion is that the guaranteed portion of this is a little bit small, just considering um, I think that would be the incentive for them to get a deal done with him right now, considering I think he had like a million or two million bucks is what he was going to play on in 2021 for so for them to want to get this deal done right now tells me that maybe it's at a what they feel is a bargain because sam hubbard is a guy that to me has obvious double digit sack upside like he could be a 10 sack a year guy 
He's really good against the run, but <clears throat> because he's coming off a season where he didn't have a ton of production in sacks and things like that, I think that you may have been able to get him if you're Cincinnati to sign a deal four years, 40 million with let's say 10 million guaranteed, similar to the deal they gave to Troy Hendrickson, uh, who came over from New Orleans after a big season there where his guaranteed portion of his contract is really just 2021. That incentive for the club makes a ton of sense simply because they it makes sense for them to be willing to spend more in terms of their 2021 cap hit on this particular player if they feel like there's a decent to good chance they could be um, having a considerable amount of value returned on what he's going to be from here on out. Because Sam Hubbard is only a 26-year-old player. He And by the way, I think he's a better player than people realize, and I had a late first round, early second round grade on him pre-draft. I thought he was going to be a really good player. High motor guy, can play the run, can play the pass. He's a superior athlete to most at, at his position in the NFL. Like he's a he's a top, you know, five or ten or ninety-five percentile athlete at the position. If you look at just I can't off the top of my head, I don't know his testing numbers, but I remember that year they were really high level, you know. So he is um a dude that really could return value on this deal. I know a lot of people are saying he's overpaid and it's just hilarious. This guy, one guy commented on Twitter, he's uh, he's overrated. I have no idea who he is. And it's like, if you have no idea who he is, how the hell are you saying he's overrated? You know, some of the shit people say on Twitter is hilarious, but he's not overrated. He's probably closer to underrated, but I think that this deal is fair for both sides based on what he's done now. And uh, I mean, look, he's already had a season in 2019 where he had eight and a half sacks. He's made 38 and a half plays behind the line of scrimmage, meaning tackles for loss and sacks in his three year career. That's 38 and a half plays behind the line of scrimmage in 43 games. So he's been a productive player. And um, again, I think it could be a steal. So it's one of those, you know, relative. Again, we don't have the guaranteed money yet, but it's one of those relatively low risk signings that could be at least moderate to potentially very high upside in terms of what, what it can turn into. So I like the extension from both sides. I think he's one, he's a guy you drafted in Cincinnati. So keep him, get him under contract. He's only 26 and uh, he'll play 2021 as a 26 year old. So I like the signing for the Bengals. Number three thing I want to talk about is DD Westbrook signs with the Minnesota Vikings for $1.1 million. So first thing that pops in my head right off the bat is he's the exact guy they needed to be the, the wide receiver three in this offense. And um, I think that for 1.1 million bucks, he's a guy that could return significant value. As my guy at Braden, Braden underscore 7777 says, uh, he could be the guy that, if nothing else, he could be the guy that replaces Marcus Sherrills in the return game. Sherrills was an awesome return guy for the Vikings for a few years. And um, D.D. Westbrook back in 2018 averaged 14 yards per punt return right with a touchdown on 19 returns that year so he's a legit dynamic player with the ball in his hands and i think that um even if he can't beat out bb or whoever it is for that wide receiver three spot i think his floor is assuming he can stay healthy is going to be a pretty damn good returner so that's obviously invaluable to a team uh, any team really so like especially mike zimmer you know he loves special teams and and the little things of a football team that really add up to big things but to me with justin jefferson and adam thielen there and very competent to high level quarterback uh, play from Kirk cousins and dalvin cook of course in the improved offensive line that 
offense, this might have been, in, in terms of ceiling, what it could be, this might have been the one missing piece that they really needed to kind of take that next step into a really maybe even top 10-ish offense. So I like the signing a whole lot from the Vikings. Next thing I want to talk about is Chandler Jones apparently apparently wants out of Arizona. So the translation here is, if you guys have been following my content, you know what I'm going to say, he wants more money. I mean, look, and he's probably justified in wanting more money. Currently, in terms of where he stacks up financially, he's tied with Zadarius Smith and Bud Dupree as the 12th highest paid edge rusher in terms of average annual value at $16.5 million a year. Chandler Jones, the only issue for him is he's 31 years old and he's set to become a free agent after this season. So where is the leverage from the standpoint of like, how is he going to argue like, you know, I'll just sit out like, really? You're going to just completely you're coming off injury, right? You're coming off an injury into in 2020 where you basically didn't play. Or he missed, I think, 11 games and the five games he did play weren't great. He didn't have a sack. However, on the flip side, if you're making a case for Chandler Jones and why I think that he's probably justified in deserving this more money is over the previous five seasons. So not in, not counting last year. Over the previous five seasons, no one in the NFL had more sacks than this guy. He had 72 and a half sacks in those in those five years. He made 150.5 plays behind the line of scrimmage in that time. By the way, the second place in terms of sacks over that five-year stretch was Aaron Donald with 63. So almost 10 fewer sacks in, in uh, from second place guy. By the way, over those five years. Chandler Jones had more sacks than what Khalil Max had in his entire seven-year career, right? So it's like the production that he's given you for a relatively modest, at least as it looks now, salary has been something that you should consider if you're Arizona. Maybe, just maybe, you throw, you know, you say, look, hey, look, Chandler, we're not going to extend you to some long-term deal because you're 31 years old coming off injury. What we will do for you, and this is what I think that might be the most likely, if it's going to compromise in any way, shape, or form, because I don't think they'll trade him, I think that they could say, look, we'll throw you an extra $2 million in signing bonus, an extra $3 million in signing bonus. Hell, maybe even $5 million. I don't know. I don't think that's that might be stretching it. But um, Or what you might do is just throw, in, throw uh, an extra $10 million on and just say, look, we'll give you $10 million more for this year and next year, you know, in terms of like signing bonus upfront guaranteed money. I don't know if that'll fly with Chandler, but it, it would be a better deal for the club, of course. But I think that the, to me, if I'm Arizona, I'm just going to say, look, why don't we write you a check for $3 million right now? You know, and, and does that kind of uh, make you feel more appreciated for the 2021 season? And then if you perform at the same level that you've done previously, then we'll we'll talk about a maybe a two year extension this offseason. I think that is something that's definitely possible because if he goes out there and has 15 sacks this year, he's going to be sitting at the bargaining table next year with actual leverage, right? They're going to probably have to franchise tag him and then hope to get some type of deal done. So I think that um, maybe he doesn't have a ton of leverage, but from the standpoint of like he's been a truly elite producer as an edge rusher, and yeah, people always bring up, well, he's not that great against the run, dude. Honestly, who cares? I mean, and I mean that seriously. When you when you have a guy that's putting up truly elite, meaning better than everyone else at his anyone else in the league, 
in terms of sack numbers, like I think that justifies him not being great against the run and still making elite money. Because if you can give me 15 sacks a year, which is basically what he's been able to do on multiple occasions um, over that five-year stretch specifically, but almost over his entire career, if you can give me that, I'll give you, I'll make you a top five highest paid guy at your position. If you can still do it at after age 31, which we'll find out this year, then I'm sure they wouldn't mind, you know, continually paying you. And uh, yeah, so again, I, if he were two years younger right now, I think he'd have some serious leverage. He doesn't. I think he's going to have to play this year out. But if I'm Arizona, I'm interested in writing him a two or $3 million check and just adding that on to his 2021 salary and saying, does that make you feel better? Let's go out there and win some games, right? Because he'd probably look at from Chandler's standpoint, he's looking at J.J. Watt thinking, this guy is, you know, no offense to you, J.J., but you're nowhere near as productive as me lately, right? You you haven't been anywhere close. And, yeah, maybe I was injured last year, but they just gave you a bunch of money and you've had some injury issues as well. So I think I deserve some money. What I don't think, and, again, I'll say this, I don't think they're going to trade him. I just think that if you're a team looking to acquire an edge rusher, you can look elsewhere because why would they do that? They feel like the the, the J.J. Watt signing to me screams that they think J.J. Watt in combination with what they already have on defense, meaning Chandler Jones in specific, that would be enough for them to be real contenders this year. That's what they need, at least from Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury's standpoint. They need to be legit contenders this year or I think he'll be moving on. So, yeah, I think uh, Chandler Jones, again, justified in his reasoning for wanting more money. He just may not get the money he's because he's probably wanting a two or three year extension. That's not going to happen. Anyways, next thing I want to talk about is Deshaun Watson and uh, the fact that he's going to show up to camp or show up to camp and uh, avoid the $50,000 per day in fines. Again, that, guys, just so you know. That $50,000 per day adds up to a million dollars that he'd have to write a bunch of $50,000 checks until it equates to one million bucks. And under the new CBA, there is no getting around that, right? The team, I don't even, I'm not quite sure. I don't think they can like just waive it like they used to be able to do. So Deshaun Watson, I think, is making the right decision because look, just show up to training camp. If you get hurt there, you get your money anyways. Like it, it's just, it's the much more intelligent thing to do. The next thing I think in terms of Deshaun Watson, I think it's going to come in handy because what if he's got to pay these women, you know, a bunch of money for whatever reason? Or what if they they just, even if he's innocent, they're just like, dude, just write them a check and get this thing over with, right? Like maybe that is something that happens and you don't want to be writing $50,000 checks to the NFL while you're doing that, right? You don't want to be, um, you want to kind of save this money because who knows what's going to happen to your career, I mean, to be quite honest, in, in, a, in a worst case scenario, which I don't think will happen, but in a worst case scenario, he may never play football again, right? You don't want to be, you know, sitting there not writing, I mean, sitting there having to write $50,000 checks like like a madman to equate to a million bucks. So for me, I still think the most likely scenario for him is the commissioner's exempt list, which in which case he would make, he would collect his $10.5 million salary this year, even though he wouldn't play. But like, what if somehow the league suspends him and he doesn't get paid this year and he has to write a million dollars in in uh, checks for not going to training camp? Like, that's, you know, something that I think is is not not, not super likely at all, but, but I guess you would have to call it slightly possible. And if it's slightly possible, just show up to training camp and freaking, you know, avoid all this, right? And I also think that it's sort of a good decision from the standpoint of, like, maybe it wouldn't be the best look for him to continue to play hardball and hold out and, like, you know, uh, kind of 
in that kind of a situation, just with all that's going on. I think it's better to just, if you show up, no one's talking about you. I think that's a better thing for you right now in terms of like just the brand of Deshaun Watson um, from that standpoint too. So that's just another thing I feel. I just think it would just feel weird to not show up right now and to have everybody talking about that as well. Just show up like you're doing. I like I like what you, I like the idea there. And, uh, you know, just show up and, and we'll just kind of like see what happens from here. All right, next thing I want to talk about is the, the New Orleans Saints signed a guy that I really like in Brian Poole. Brian's a uh, nickel corner. He's 28 years old. He played nine games last year, so he missed the final seven with the Jets. But when targeted, he allowed a 64% completion percentage, 28.5 yards per game, so he's good from that standpoint, 6.6 yards a target, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 61.6. So obviously – those are pretty damn good numbers. And he was doing so in a defense that was pretty inconsistent and not necessarily the most talented, right? So obviously the Jets are much more talented this year, so Jet fans relax. And I wasn't taking a shot, but I'm just saying Brian Poole's a really good player. And for the Saints, similar to Philadelphia, a team that needed help at the nickel corner spot, a team that didn't have a ton in the way of cap space, right? They, I mean, for them to sign him, we don't know the exact dollar amount, but I'm assuming and I'm pretty confident that it's not a ton of money. So for them to get him at this stage of the game as a legitimate starter um, in late July, I mean, that's, to me, that's pretty damn good value. And um, because again, I'm assuming it's, I would imagine it's probably less than what Steven Nelson made, uh, which is 4 million bucks, I believe this year. So I think it's probably less than that. And for the Saints to get a starter at this point in the game for that cheap is phenomenal value. And it's one of those things where, this guy, Sean Payton, knows what it's like to play against him because he did so when he was in Atlanta for three years, right? Played against him twice a year. He knows, right? He knows what this kid does well. He knows what he doesn't do well. So I think this is a prime position for him to succeed. And again, at just 28 years old, it makes sense that if he plays really well here, then they would probably look to extend him after that. Sort of like the Logan Ryan thing happened with the Giants last year. It was like Logan Ryan was not wanted by anybody. And then all of a sudden he comes and has a great season and he signs a massive extension with the Giants. I think that could be something similar to what Brian Poole and even Steven Nelson could do in a best case scenario this year for their careers. Next thing I want to talk about is uh, the Anthony Miller trade to the Houston Texans. So they swap late round picks of some kind. So basically very minimal compensation for the Houston Texans for a guy and Anthony Miller who's a former second round pick a guy that I loved pre-draft, by the way, I had him as a first round talent that year. He reminded me of an old Panther player, my team, Steve Smith, in terms of attitude and the way he would just fight off tacklers, the way he's just a very tough dude, very explosive, quick. Um, you know, he just is a guy that can play inside, can play outside. To me, um, this could conceivably be an upgrade over the recently departed Will Fuller in free agency. And oh, by the way, the Texans are going to receive a compensatory pick for Will Fuller signing with the Miami Dolphins for the money he signed for. It was like $10 million a year. So it may be a third or fourth round compensatory pick, and they get Anthony Miller for a swappage of late round picks. So I think in a in a worst case scenario for the Texans, maybe not worst case scenario, but to me the most likely of lower uh, floor scenarios would be that Anthony Miller is the number three receiver there. Okay, if you get your number three receiver for a swappage of late round picks and you only have to pay him about $1.2 million for the season, for his season of being your, your third receiver, to me, that's a phenomenal value, right? And I don't know how 
that was the winning offer in terms of like what the Bears had on the table because it's not like Anthony Miller hasn't been productive. He's been a pretty productive player. It's just that also Matt Nagy, guys, is not really the wide receiver whisperer, if you will, right? I mean, yeah, Darnell Mooney was good and maybe that's, you know, more of what Nagy was looking for. But to me, um, again, it's not inconceivable at all for him to be a better player than Will Fuller was in Houston because he's going to be more available in all likelihood. And look, I thought he was extremely talented coming out of Memphis. I mean, he had some of the most fun to watch tape of any receiver in that draft class. So for me, this is a really good low risk, high upside pickup for the Texans. And I mean, look, swapping late round picks is a joke, dude. I mean, honestly, like I would swap late round picks for anyone. If I'm only having to pay them a million bucks after, I would literally do it for like anyone with even a smidge of upside. And for a guy like Anthony Miller, he's got more than a smidgen of upside. Next thing I want to talk about is the Minnesota Vikings, again, making the news. Jalen Twyman, he was a late round, I think it was like six round pick for them, was literally shot multiple times just a couple months ago. He's not going to start the season playing, but he has a chance to play this year. That's awesome. First of all, like, I think that I liked him a lot pre-draft. I, I thought he was a pretty damn good player that he could really turn into a special player because he's a super athlete. When I found out about the news of him getting shot, I thought that he was just, you know, that was the end of his season for sure. I didn't, not only the end of the season, it sounded like when you tell me someone was shot multiple times, I'm like, okay, they're done, right? They're done with football. Are they alive? That was my main concern. Not only is he alive, but he's has a chance to play this year. So that's remarkably fortunate turn of events for him. And I'm very happy for him because like I said, I liked him pre-draft and he is a super explosive athlete. He had one of those, I think is, if I recall correctly, his explosion number was in the like 80 range, which is absolutely JJ Watt rare kind of territory. So, um, so yeah, Jalen Twyman, that's awesome news. Very positive news. Malik Hooker in other news may sign with the Dallas Cowboys. Malik Hooker was the 15th overall pick in the draft and he's about to be 25 years old, right? So he's very young. The upside again, low risk because you're going to get him for a million bucks because no one signed him yet. So that means the demand on him is not necessarily the highest it's ever been. And he's a guy that, yeah, he didn't look great in Indianapolis. I get that. But if he had the kind of talent that got him drafted in the top 15, 15th to be exact, I mean, who knows? A scheme, a lot of times you see with guys like this, one scheme change and, you know, certain role usage, whatever, it could change everything. So I, for a million bucks or, you know, the vet minimum, I definitely would consider signing Malik Hooker. And that's just not for the Cowboys. That's for anybody that has a need or could upgrade at safety. Get him on your, get him in your training camp. See what happens. If he's able to play right now, I'm not sure. I know he had an injury last year, but just get him in there and kind of see what happens. At least, at least do a workout with him. You're going to have, you're going to pay him a million dollars. Like it's not going to be much. So I think that would be a wise move for the Dallas Cowboys or for any team, again, for that matter. Devontae Adams is also unhappy in Green Bay. I guess him and Aaron Rodgers posted some uh, clip from or picture from the Last Dance documentary where Jordan and Pippen were there last year in Chicago and all that kind of stuff. Um, and also, by the way, Zadarius Smith is also kind of unhappy, wants a little bit more money. I understand that, but Zadarius just signed his extension, I believe, two years ago. Not not last year, but the year before. So, Or not extension, but he just signed as a free agent. So that's going to be a little bit difficult for him to – 
even though he has definitely outplayed his, his contract, in my opinion. As I mentioned, he's $16.5 million AAV tied with Chandler Jones for like 12th, right? So that's not necessarily the um, – he's a much he's much better than the 12th highest or the 12th best edge rusher in football, in my opinion, at least from a production standpoint. So lots of guys unhappy in Green Bay. It's going to be very interesting to see how this all unfolds. I think that um, – the only optimistic thing I could think of when I see that Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers both posted that picture is it's almost in, um, indicative of the fact that they are both admitting that they're going to play, right? So I think from that standpoint, yeah, that that's great news for Green Bay because that's all they care about, right? Like, are you, you going to show up? Because we can revisit the contract talks next year if, um, I mean, here's the thing. The Arizona Cardinals made DeAndre Hopkins the highest paid receiver by a mile, uh, what was it last year? So Devontae Adams, as I mentioned before, he's going to want $30 million a year because I think D-Hop got like 27, right? So you're not going to sit there and, and offer him 20 right now. He's just, he's going to laugh you out of the building. So from that standpoint, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how his contract unfolds. And I'm also interested to see if he does hit free agency, what's his offer going to be? Like, are they, is there a team out there that that's willing to pay a wide receiver $30 million? Because for me, call me crazy, I'd rather have two guys that are willing to sign for 15. I'd rather have two Kenny Galladay's than one Devontae Adams if it's at $30 million. And that's no disrespect to Devontae. He is obviously a truly elite player. So don't get that twisted. I'm just saying that's a whole lot of money. And then for Zadarius Smith, I would do the same thing as Arizona or as I would do if I were in Arizona in terms of Chandler Jones. I would just ask him, hey, can we throw you some – they need a little bit of an image builder right now. Just throw Zadarius Smith two or three million bucks in signing bonus money this year. Do it, for God's sakes. I mean, or maybe even throw him a $6 million add-on to signing bonus and prorate that over the next two years in terms of salary cap space because I don't think he is about to be a free agent as well. So, um, so yeah. Anyways, that's all I've got for you guys in this episode. I will see you tomorrow. And if you're enjoying the podcast, remember to leave a review on Apple, um, share it with a friend, all that kind of stuff. That stuff helps. And I'll talk to you guys later. Peace.